Amen. Does anybody know what chapter we're on? Two, that's right. And as you go ahead and turn there, I'll write the exciting topic uh, and title is Intro to Apologetics. Please calm down. Apologetics, that's right. And uh, once again, we've already seen uh, the issue. Reason number one, we're taking a look on does God exist? That was chapter one. And we looked at everything has a beginning, which implies a beginner. That's right, a beginner. And that beginner with the capital B, of course, is God. Okay, and that's what we see uh, in life. Now, we're in reason number two again. Every complex design has a designer. If you see design is something, what does that mean? It was designed by somebody. It didn't happen by chance. It's crazy. Just like this watch didn't happen by chance, uh, neither did all the design that we see in everything, uh, uh, neither did that happen by chance. As we saw there on the first page of chapter two, the old rock analogy, uh, we saw that first picture there, if you recall. Uh, if you saw that out in the middle of nowhere in the wild, uh, could that have happened, if you will, by chance? Yeah, that first one. But how about that second one we saw last time with about seven or eight rocks piled up on top of each other? No, there's no way, right? Well, we saw, well, then why is it that you won't believe that seven or eight rocks piled on top of themselves in a symmetrical fashion uh, could ever happen by chance? It's ludicrous, but our bodies with 50 trillion rocks or cells did. It's nuts. The next page, just by way of recap, we saw the world's largest rock group, uh, Mount Rushmore. And uh, you guys got it this week. I can't believe that. You didn't get the last rank, but praise God for round two. Uh, but anyway, that's right. Uh, we saw that, uh, excuse me, so how many guys believe that those faces uh, evolved over millions and millions of years by natural forces? Besides Robert, which we'll pray after the service tonight. That's a good way to get prayer. That's awesome technique. But uh, no, right? I don't care how many, how about a trillion years? Do you think that would happen? No, it's impossible. So here's the, uh, how ludicrous this is. So you don't believe, and rightly so, uh, that these faces could have formed by chance on these rocks, but the men that faces actually represent did happen by chance. That's really crazy. Okay, and again, that's what we're doing. Then we took a look at our universe and how we've seen the design in our universe. And what we saw is a multitude of different reasons. And if you saw there on page 12, at least in my notes, uh, page 12, uh, is we were up to 19, 19 reasons is where we left off of the complexity and the design just in the universe, okay? So if you will, go back to that analogy of the rocks uh, stacking up. We saw that the, the analogy there with that picture was, what, seven or eight uh, rocks, okay? So if you will, looking at the design of our universe, we so far have stacked up 19 rocks. That's just the universe. So how in the world could you say this whole thing came uh, into existence by chance? You don't believe seven to eight rocks but you're going to believe 19 rocks, i.e. the evidence for the universe did, is crazy, absolutely crazy. And again, as we stated before, I firmly believe that the, probably the majority of the reason why people still believe in evolution is because they have not been told the contrary because it's a closed system. They have control of the media, they have control of the educational system, and you repeat a lie loud enough, long enough, and often enough, people believe it. Okay? And it's our job. Where are they going to get it, guys, other than us? Nowhere. So we need to get equipped so we can share it with them uh, as well. Look at number 20. That's the middle of page 12 there is where we left off. Let's take a look at some more evidence. If the ratio between the mass of a proton and electron and a neutron, what's that make up? A cell, atom. Okay. Uh, if, now, if any of those, the, the ratio between the mass of those three things were any smaller or greater, life on earth would not be possible. Even down to the subatomic level, Folks, just the, the ratio of how it's even made up, the very atoms themselves have to be exactly what they are or you could not have life, okay? In fact, what's really interesting is scientists today have no stinking idea, okay, stinky kid from the Southern Greek, uh, if, uh, hey, that is used in the scripture, right, in the King James, uh, Lazarus, and he stinketh, 
Hey, that sounds cool, doesn't it? That's right, we're getting biblical now. Okay, but scientists today, really honestly, they can describe the atom. They can just say, hey, it's made up of a proton and a neutron and an electron. They can do all that stuff. But for the life of them, they can't figure out what is it that holds this thing together? What keeps this thing from flying apart? Okay, well, the Bible actually tells us, first text tonight, Colossians chapter 1. Open your Bibles. Colossians chapter 1 tells us what is holding everything together, even down to the subatomic level. Okay, Colossians chapter 1. And, of course, we're going to be dealing with the supremacy of Jesus Christ. How many guys, as you turn there, would say that Jesus is kind of powerful? Yes, that has a good laughter, Tom. I like that one. Uh, yes, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the master of the universe, not he-man. Uh, it's Jesus. And as you turn there, let's take a look at verse 15. When you get there, say moo. Moo, that's like a creepy moo. Moo, <laughs> like a horse moo. I like that. Uh, Moo, all right, verse 15, let's take a look. Verse 1, Colossians, or chapter 1, says this. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Okay, the firstborn, literally preeminent one over all creation. For by him, Jesus, how many things were created? All, all things were created uh, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. You mean even those atoms that we can't even see? Oh, uh, yeah, uh-huh. Now we can have uh, instruments now, uh, electromagnetic uh, uh, microscope. Uh, we can do that, electron microscope. Okay, but how many guys woke up today and said, whoa, whoa, i got to close my eyes. I'm just inundated with all these atoms that I can see. Good thing, Robert, you didn't raise your hand on that one too. We'd really have to pray for you. No, you can't, okay? Those are the things, visible, invisible. Who's the one holding it all together? Who's the one for creating that? God, Jesus, specifically, says there. Uh, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Listen to this. He, Jesus, is before all things. We saw before in the previous chapter that God is eternal. He dwells in the realm of no time. And time is, we know even scientifically, a created property just like space and matter. And it all came into existence at the same time, which is interesting. But God is above and beyond all that. Okay? Uh, he can see all of time all at the same time. Okay? And he says that. He's before all things, of course. And in him, all things what? Hold together. Okay? So who holds everything together? Jesus, including even the invisible things, i.e. the atom. All right, so scientists have no clue what holds it all together. We know right here in the scripture, it's God. God is the one who's keeping them things from flying apart. Now, did you know the Bible's very clear, we talked about this before, that there is a day that God's going to say to these atoms that he's currently holding together, fly apart. Now, when that happens, it's called a nuclear explosion. Have you heard of an atom bomb? God's going to put one on the whole universe. Okay, now turn your text, if you will, uh, to Second Peter 3. Let's go back to that text. It talks about this. Okay? So God currently holds it together, even though scientists don't know or don't want to admit it. Okay? And then God also says, oh, by the way, it's not going to be forever. Okay? Uh, let's take a look there. Second Peter chapter 3. And uh, let's take a look at what he talks about there. Talking about the day of the Lord. Verse 3. When you get there, say moo. Moo. Chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. If you find First Peter, what do you do? Hang around. 2 Peter chapter uh, uh, 3, uh, verse 3 says this. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, what is going to be a characteristic of that society as we saw before? Scoffers. Do we live with scoffers? Okay, where do you think all these scoffers came from in our lifetime? Evolution. That's right, Ruth. Evolution uh, produces that scoffing attitude. So at the very time that you see we're hitting the last days, God, uh, uh, this lie called evolution, the enemy raises up and it produces all the scoffing. Okay. And he says this, he says, now they're scoffing following the scientific data because they are pushed in that direction logically. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong translation. Evil desires. They don't want there to be God. Okay? They will say, where is this coming he promised? 
Okay, ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget, we translate it, what's that mean? Dumb on purpose, that long ago, okay, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, God spoke and it happened the first time, by the same word, he says, judgment. And the present heavens and earth are reserved for what? Being kept for the day of judgment and destruction by ungodly men. Then he goes on and says, listen, God's not slow as you think slow. Uh, time is irrespective to him. He's being merciful. Uh, that's, you know, he wants people to repent. But there is going to come a day and it's over. And then he goes to this and he says, tells it how that fire is going to happen. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a what? A thief. All of a sudden, bang, there it is. It's too late. The heavens, okay, urnas, space, atmosphere, will disappear with a what? War. Literally a big bang. Okay, and you got to tell people, listen, I, I don't believe in your Big Bang, and, uh, but there is a Big Bang that is coming, and you need to get ready for that one. Okay, you better make sure. Okay, that's roar with the Big Bang. And the elements, okay, elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Elements is the Greek word stoichia, and it means things in a row, the basic elements that make up the universe down to the atomic structure. So the elements he's talking about here literally is the atomic structure of the universe. And it says there, it's going to, with the word, they're going to be destroyed by fire. Destroyed is the word luo, where, we get, where it's translated loosed. So Colossians 1 says right now, even though scientists won't admit it or can't figure it out, they don't want to read the Bible apparently, is Jesus is holding the atoms together. But one day, at the day of the Lord, okay, at the end of the millennial kingdom, God's going to say, loose. And the whole universe goes up like an atomic bomb and the earth. Why? Because he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. So shall it always be. Isn't that wild? All just from the proton. You guys can't get that on the back of a granola bar. This is exciting stuff. All right, let's go. Uh, uh, Number 21, rock 21, if you will. If the severity of volcanic or seismic activity on earth were slightly greater or lesser, life on earth could not be possible. 22, if the oxygen to nitrogen ratio or the carbon dioxide to water vapor ratio were slightly different, life would not be possible. I'm sure that's just a quinky dink. Listen to this. If Jupiter had a more elliptical orbit, okay, and did not act as our meteor and comet shield, life on Earth would not be possible. Now, again, as they would say, everything is random, everything is chaotic in the universe, and the planets just happen to be where they happen to be. They just rested, whatever. Well, Jupiter, not only you saw with the sun, with the moon and the earth, and all the dynamic that's going on with that, uh, not to mention the other planets, uh, but Jupiter itself. Okay, what is it, like uh, 300 Earths can fit in Jupiter? Is that how, something like that? Isn't? Okay, huge, massive thing. Well, gee whiz, it didn't just happen to stop in the right uh, place, but it happens to be the right size to act as a shield to protect us from all these meteors. I'm sure that's a quick thing. No, that's another rock. Okay, number 24, uh, the earth is uh, just large enough so its gravity retains the atmosphere because if it wasn't, it'd be gone. But it just happens to be small enough not to keep too many harmful gases. It's almost like it's dialed in precisely where it needs to be. Interesting. Now, folks, that's just 24. That's 24 is what we made it to eventually. Okay, and again, back to the rock analogy, we would think it absolutely ludicrous for somebody to say that seven to eight rocks symmetrically piled on top of one another could happen by chance. But we just had 24 rocks dealing with just the universe. And that's not everything. And yet, what does our world say? What do these scientists say? All by chance. It's absolutely crazy. So again, whose evidence, whose side does logic, uh, common sense fall on? The Bible side, okay? The Christian side. Okay, let's continue on. You can see that we have a very fortunate planet. 
he says there. How do we explain these coincidences? Huh? That's a big word. That's your first blank tonight. We're cruising now. Coincidences. Okay. Let's take a look. He continues on. He says, the modern science has absolutely no explanation. Underline that. Absolutely no explanation. Nothing. Okay. For the billions of independent cosmic factors that happen to be just right for humans to exist apart from the deliberate workings of an intelligent designer. Is your next blank there. Intelligent designer. Now listen to that. I mean, we're, we're oftentimes the one to be made fun of. Like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You don't have this degree. You haven't been trained at this university. You just don't know. And yet, we can sit here through common sense and say, listen, I'm sorry, you got more faith than I do. Okay, you're way beyond the seven, eight rocks. You think the universe came from nothing. That's 24 rocks piled on top of each other. I, I'm sorry, you got more faith than me. And we're the ludicrous. But notice, they don't have an explanation. It'd be one thing if you did. But they don't have an explanation. And notice what he said. Listen, we just dealt with 24. Underline that billions, not millions, not hundreds of thousands, billions of independent comic factors that have to be just right. So now we just went from 24, and now we're up to billions of rocks all piled on top of each other symmetrically. That happened by chance? And we're the dum-dums? I don't think so. All right, let's continue on. He says, there are simply too many coincidences at work in our universe to allow for any other reasonable conclusion. Sir Fred Hoyle once commented, a common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect has monkeyed with physics as well as chemistry and biology and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. What did he just say? Scientists. It's crazy to say this happened by chance. It's impossible. Okay? And notice it wasn't just the universe, folks. It was physics, period, chemistry, biology. Nothing, everything. Eventually, we're going to get to that. Nothing happened by chance. Every single aspect of life was intelligently designed. Why? Because it came from an intelligent designer from God. It's his evidence, as we saw before, Romans chapter 1. Why nobody's going to stand before him. As the text says, you're without excuse. You can't say you didn't know I existed. Excuse me? You can come up with some uh, wild, whacked out uh, teaching called evolution, but that doesn't excuse you. I also gave you the brain that knows better with common sense. Okay? Harvard professor of astronomy, Owen Gingrich, he's a senior astronomer of the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory. He said this, Fred Hoyle and I differ on lots of questions, but on this we agree. A common sense and satisfying interpretation of our world suggests the designing hand of a super intelligence. Now, folks, believe it or not, these are two real scientists. And believe it or not, they don't show you this on the media, uh, but there's a whole bunch of scientists who are coming out and admitting there has to be a designer to all this. Okay? Now, my question to you is, uh, why is it you don't see any of these guys on the History Channel or the Nature Channel. I mean, if you're going to be fair and balanced, uh, aren't, shouldn't you show at least what they got to say? Right? You can poop up their hair, do something weird to it too. I'm sure they'd allow you just to get on the show. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, I see that guy. You, saw, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, but we won't go there. Okay? But why don't they do it? Because they're suppressing. Remember what the text said. They're suppressing the evidence, Romans chapter 1. They don't want this to come out. Okay? Let's continue on the top of the next page. This is a phenomenal... Memorize this thing. Get this thing locked in your brain. The next time somebody says that life came by chance. Listen to this. Robin Collins, he used this analogy. Suppose astronauts landed on Mars and found an enclosed biosphere. Right? That's what they keep talking about. We're going to go to Mars. They've already sent all those explorers over there and all that stuff like that. 
Now, suppose they found an enclosed biosphere, sort of like a, the dome structure that was built in Arizona a few years ago. At the control panel, they find that all the dials for its environment are set just right for life. The oxygen ratio is perfect. The temperature is 70 degrees. The humidity is exactly 50%. There's a system even for replenishing the air, and there's systems for producing food, for generating energy, and disposing of waste. In fact, each dial has a huge range of possible settings, and, and you can see if you were to adjust one or more of them just a little bit, the environment would go out of whack, and then life would not be possible. Uh, do you know, if that really happened, folks, listen, do you know what the headlines would be in the newspaper the next day? It would say what? Everywhere, I guarantee, across the whole world, extraterrestrial life exists, right? He says, we would conclude that this biosphere was not there by accident. Volcanoes did not erupt or spew out the right compounds that just happened to assemble this whole biosphere. Some intelligent being had intentionally, carefully designed and prepared it to support living creatures. And that's exactly what we see in our universe. Isn't that an amazing analogy? And we're the dum-dum. The real reason, I think, again, the, the biggest reason is because people don't know to the contrary because it's a closed system and it's our duty, our loving duty to fulfill the scripture that says, Christian, get out there, get equipped like we're doing tonight in our studies and give a defense for the hope that lies within you. It's only coming from us. The other reason why I think that people uh, believe in evolution is because they don't want to believe in God. Notice the text says they want to follow their evil desires. It's not about the facts. It's a matter of the heart. Now, I'm going to share with you just a little teaser and uh, Lord willing, later as we uh, um, get into uh, more intelligent uh, studies starting, Lord willing, next week, I'm telling you the whole PowerPoint videos in the nine yards, I'm excited, I started to look at it already. Um, I'm going to give you a little teaser, some of the quotes. These guys actually admit this, which is interesting. They not only admit it, which if you start to, when you hear what they got to say, it just blows you away because they, on TV, again, what's the premise? We're the dum-dums, they're super intelligent. Uh, we don't know what we're talking about. This is so true. Stop being so ignorant. I, I don't even, I don't even, I, I'm not even going to respond to you because you're so low IQ. You're, that's what, how they treat us, right? Under the premise that they've just got all this evidence stacked up, you know, to the contrary. And they're just, it's ridiculous for us to, that's not the case. They don't have evidence. And a few of them have admitted the real reason why. And it fulfills Second Peter 3, evil desire. Listen to this. George Wald states, evolutionist, when it comes to the origin of life, there's only two possibilities. Creation or spontaneous generation, evolution. There is no third way, right? So logically, it's either God or it's natural causes, right? That's pure, and so I agree with him on that. Listen to this. He said spontaneous generation or evolution, scientists in the community, evolutionists, spontaneous generation was disproved 100 years ago. Okay? But that leads to only one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds, therefore we choose to believe the impossible that life arose spontaneously by chance. You see what he just said? There's no evidence. In fact, this was proved bunk a hundred years ago. But we know that the only uh, conclusion is it had to come from God then. But that is unthinkable. We refuse to go there. So we choose to believe the impossible. Philosophical reasons, not scientific reasons. You see, it? Oh, it gets even worse. Ed, uh, Edmund Ambrose, he's an evolutionist, he said, we have to admit that there is nothing, nothing in the geological records that runs contrary to the views of conservative creationists. Even what we find in the dirt doesn't disagree with the Bible, the true biblical account. And he admits it. 
There's nothing. Nothing. Okay? Arthur Keith, he, uh, author of 20 books defending evolution, he wrote this. Evolution is unproved and unprovable. Because you can't prove it, right? Because you go back to the fairy tale every single time. Well, we never see it repeated right now, and we can't demonstrate it, which is supposed to be science, the definition of. Um, but it was millions of years ago. No billions, no trillions. Which one? I don't know. Evolutions don't even agree. But see, it's so far back, you can't, there's no proof. It's just magically in a far, far away, in a land far, far away, some mystical prince kissed this frog and... Right? It's a fairy tale, but that's what they're that's what they're pushing on us is a fairy tale. Same thing. And that's what he says. He says this. He says, Evolution is unproved and unprovable. We believe it only because listen, uh, only uh, we believe it because the only alternative is special creation and that is unthinkable. <laughs> what? It has nothing to do we're being lied to. I get just a couple more, and we'll move on. Huxley, he said, I suppose the reason we all jumped at uh, the origin, Darwin's origin of species, was because the idea of God interfered with our sexual moray. So the reason why he jumped on this, because even though it's been disproved and it's a bunch of baloney and there is no evidence, is because it's your intellectual reasoning justification to get rid of God so you can do whatever you want to do sinful desires that's exactly what peter said nearly two thousand years ago hey at least these guys are honest enough to admit it but can you believe it and we have it drilled in our heads tv education day in day out and we high and they know it's not true and we wonder why the wrath of god as romans chapter 1 verse 18 says is being revealed from heaven excuse me one more bertrand russell he's the evolutionist philosopher was said that the idea of getting rid of God through evolution, quote, freed me up to my erotic desire. No God, I'm not accountable to nobody, I can do whatever I want to do. That's why they keep pushing this, folks. It's not based on scientific evidence, okay? And again, as I stated before, oftentimes when you and I, Christian, just get acquainted with some basic facts, common sense analogies, the rock analogy, the biosphere on Mars analogy, and you present that to them, blows them away. With all due respect, because nobody's ever uh, countered them. Because we're not allowed to. Okay? And that shows you just how bankrupt the belief really is. Let's continue on. Stephen Hawking, listen to this. He even wrote this. He said, it would be very difficult to explain why the universe should have begun uh, just this way, except as an act of God who intended to create beings like us. So he admitted that it's really hard and it sure seems like God did it for a reason. So why don't you admit it? Because they don't want there to be a God. Uh-huh. Yeah. After all that. So the, the, everything, the evidence points that way. Your intellect is pushing you that way, but you refuse to believe it. As those other guys says, that's unreasonable. It's unthinkable. Not going to do it. Oh, because if there is no God, I get to do whatever I want to do. That's their justification for this. Absolutely baloney. Let's skip it. We already saw Roger Penrose quote there uh, last week. Continue on. The entire universe. Your next blank there. We're cooking now, Tom. The entire universe does indeed cater to the needs of humanity. The entire universe does indeed cater to the needs of humanity. After all, insofar as it's permeated with the very same structural specifications that are necessary for human existence, these cosmic, quote, coincidences okay between distant branches of physics are so compelling in fact that many scientists are actually coming forward and admitting 
that something must be going on behind the scenes. Okay? One physicist, Freeman Dyson, said this, as we look out into the universe and identify the many, quote, accidents of physics and astronomy that have worked together to our benefit, it almost seems as, listen, as if the universe must, uh, in some sense, have known that, quote, we were coming. (laughs) And guess what? That's exactly right. Because God created us on the sixth day, so before we were coming, He got it ready for us. That's exactly what the Bible says, and that's what He says. All the evidence points to that. That's the Genesis account of creation. Genesis chapter 1. Isn't that wild? The scientists are finally catching up. How much money we talk about? How many billions, if not trillions of dollars could we save? We're paying for his tax pairs. For these guys to continue out there and go, mm, there is no God, mm, there is no God. On a bankrupt theory that in essence, they know isn't going to go anywhere. We keep shelling out cash for it. It's bankrupt. And they admit, it's not even about that. We don't even want to know the truth. That's unthinkable. We just don't want there to be a God. And we're intellectualizing our excuse. It's nuts. Okay, let's continue on. Now let's get to what the Bible says. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His what? Hands. Who put that there? Oh, you guys are just one of those brainwashed, crazy Christians. Man, use those Bible thumpers. You guys don't know better. You don't know science like the rest of us. No, what is the evidence? What does common sense, scientific evidence point towards? Hey, this came from the hand of... God, an intelligent designer, is what? That's good science. We just read Psalm 19.1, right? It's based on fact, not the flesh, as the other guys. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens, Isaiah 40. Who created all these? Well, all by chance, Tom. No, no, can't go there. He who brings out the starry host one by one, calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God's the one that put them up there. Wait till we get to the neck. No, I'm not going to spoil it. you got to get here, man, because things are really going to get cranked up. Really visual, animated video. Ah, anyway. anyway, Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Can you, how many guys have realized that the universe is kind of big? Super big. Okay? And as we saw in Colossians, God is the one who not only uh, made it, uh, but he upholds it, he sustains it, and, uh, and yet, as huge as the universe is, and minuscule as we are, there is this just minuscule period. Our solar system is completely minuscule, and, and, and not just our own galaxy, but all the other galaxies. And then we're the little teeny tiny ants on this little minuscule planet and the minuscule solar system in one little tiny galaxy. And yet, God loved us so much, he sent his own son to come to this planet, to die on the cross for us, and through him right now before we even get to heaven, we can have a beautiful, intimate, loving, personal relationship with him. Isn't that amazing? And I don't know about you, but I'm so concerned about my problems that they're bigger than God. (laughs) When I look at the heavens, what? Are you kidding me? What's bigger than God? What cannot God fix? He did all this. You know, Lord, maybe next week, I get a little... Isn't it interesting that you look at the majesty of the stars and how huge the universe is? To me, that just, it just makes you think of the immensity of our God. And I think sometimes when you really focus on that, it sure makes your problems go like where they need to be. But our world has done a fantastic job keeping our eyes off the stars. And we're locked in on this earth, aren't we? Interesting. But hey, let's turn the page. Thus far, we've only discussed the complexity 
the next blank there, the complexity and the purposeful design of our universe. The complexity and the purposeful design of our universe. Now we're going to get into just a couple other items. And again, Lord willing, starting next week, we're going to massive detail. Uh, let's take a look at the beauty of nature. Ruby Shelley writes this. He says, one of my favorite examples of, uh, 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 of a case in nature is uh, of intelligent design. Your next blank there, intelligent design, involves an insect, a bug. It's the bombardier beetle. And again, we'll get into this much uh, greater detail later. This bombardier beetle squirts out a lethal mixture of two chemicals into the face of its enemy. But that's not, listen how complex it is. When the two chemicals mix, they explode. So it's like this bug has the ability, the design, to put out this exploding gas, like bombs coming out of his back end. In fact, he doesn't go into it. We'll get into it later. It actually, he can steer it like a gun turret on a B-52 bomber, he little turrets. He can actually not only do all this we're about ready to read, but he can steer it, do whatever he wants, and it's just cool. And then it doesn't even just come out straight, because if it came out straight, the bug would go, right? He does it, and you can't even see it with the naked eye. You have to get into close. He does it in rapid fire, and because he's in rapid fire, it allows him to stay where he's at. Isn't that, anyways, whatever. Okay, so two chemicals mix, they explode. In order to store the two chemicals, these chemicals are in his body, right? How many guys would like to walk around in your body, gasoline and kerosene? Right? You hope they don't start together and somebody doesn't light a match, right? Well, this bug's got this inside of him. Okay, now listen to this. So he's storing these two chemicals in his body uh, until it's needed for self-defense. Now, while it's in there, he just so happens to have a chemical inhibitor that makes them harmless. Otherwise, they blow up. Well, that's a quinketing. At the instant, the beetle squirts the stored liquid from its back end, his tail, an anti-inhibitor, which he just happens to have, is now added to make it explosive again. Now, the slightest alteration in the chemical balance there involved here would result in a race of exploded beetles. How many guys would say logically and confidently tonight at Sunrise Baptist Church that exploding beetles have no babies? But how could this evolve by chance? Give me a break. One mistake, boom, you're dead. Experiment over, right? Let's continue on. Right? The slightest aberration in here resulted in a race of exploded beetles in one generation. How reasonable is it to put this complex process down to a lucky roll of the dice as opposed, by, uh, as opposed to creative design? Creative design is your blank there. I got Since nature is not an intelligent being and consequently has no sense of purpose, there must be somebody, capital S, behind nature who designed and built these flame-throwing beetles. Right? Common sense. That's just a bug. We step on them all the time. And I'm telling you, we're going to go from the telescope to the microscope. Nothing exists without design. God's handiwork is all over. Now, let's take a look at our own bodies. This is kind of cool. Carl Sagan, right? Okay, who unfortunately passed away. And unless he accepted Christ at the last minute, he unfortunately knows better. But it's too late. And, uh, but even he admitted this. This is wild. And yet you still continue on and say there is no God? This is why. He's with this. The information content of the human brain expressed in bits, like computer bits, is probably comparable to the total number of connections among neurons, about a hundred trillion. If written out in English, that information would fill some 20 million volumes. When's the last time you guys went to the store and you just happened to be at the right time when there was an explosion uh, you know, in another factory uh, of uh, letters again, maybe from a you know, board game, and uh, it blew up, and it just so happened to uh, right in front of you landed this book. All right, how about if you, that happened um, with 20 million books? 
Is that ever going to happen? Okay, and that's what he's saying our, with our brain. Okay, uh, the equivalent of 20 million books inside the heads of every one of us. The brain is a very big place in a very small space. The neurochemistry of the brain uh, is astonishingly busy. The circuitry of a machine more wonderful than any device by human. Pick a machine. Let's say a car. We all know that cars didn't happen from an explosion in uh, AutoZone. Man, praise God for that explosion. I got a new car. This is awesome. Right? We wouldn't say that, right? Well, he just said here, a machine, our brain, is more complex than anything we could ever design, which is made by a team of designers. And that's our brain. 20 million. Absolutely uh, amazing. Richard Dawkins, evolutionist. Even he said this about the cell. He said, each nucleus of every cell in the human body contains a digitally coded database larger uh, in information content than all 30 volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica together. Right? So let's all go out tonight and let's all buy our own, because we've got to get the job done quick, our own Scrabble board. And what we'll do, we'll come back next week and each one of us will take turns, but we'll be very methodical about it. We'll throw all the pieces of our Scrabble board down on the floor, down here in front, and if we do this for at least a million years, it's going to perfectly spell out a book. How about an encyclopedia set? How about 30 volumes of an encyclopedia set? Just a single cell. Absolutely insane. How about the eye? This is cool. Humans have been trying to build a better camera for 250 years. However, even the most complex and advanced camera can't even uh, come closely to compare to our eyes. Our eyes have a lens cover that keeps the dust off the lens in our eyelids. Our eyes can focus at various distances. Our eyes have automatic focus and a light meter, which always adjusts to its setting. And if you scratch your eyelid, it heals itself. Now, if Randy back there made the unfortunate mistake of accidentally dropping that nice, wonderful video camera back there, uh, we would lay hands on him and pray for him, of course, naturally. But we really wouldn't even need to go there because, as you all know, if that camera falls over, uh, it might take about five minutes because, you know, it's going to repair itself. Isn't that awesome how they make things nowadays? Purely by chance. Our eye does that. Oh, by the way, that is a pile of junk. That several thousand dollar camera is a pile of junk compared to the human eye. And we got two of them. At the same time, how'd that happen? It's crazy, folks. We've been lying to you. Doctors can't even explain, explain why there's no scar tissue left. Okay, when the eye repairs itself. How about, here it is, the DNA. Scientists tell us that the single strain of DNA holds enough information, listen, to fill a 6,000 volume encyclopedia. Who wrote that? Right? When we open up an encyclopedia book, let alone all the volumes, okay, we all know that it's completely random. We never have any idea who did this because nobody did this because it all happened by chance. Right? And so here we have information from a single, a single strand of DNA, a single, that has enough information to fill 6,000 volume encyclopedia. And we assume there's no author crazy right how does a universe which itself developed from nothing impart into every human strand of dna enough sp specific information to cover six hundred thousand pages of information from nothing it doesn't unless acted from an outside source i.e god somebody who's got that kind of capital i intelligence top of the next page the stoic philosopher chrysippus said this 
He said, if there's something in the world which human reason, strength, and power are incapable of producing, that which produces it must be better than man, right? That's logic. If we can't do it, somebody bigger than us did it, right? Okay? But the heavens and everything which displays unceasing regularity cannot be produced by man. Therefore, what's the logical conclusion? He says that, that by which those things are produced is better than man. And what name rather than God would you give to this? None. And that's why the Bible says, for you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Okay, it came from God. But that's right. Inquiring minds want to know. We don't need God today because you know how far we've come, folks. Don't you realize that we have the ability for cloning? Therefore, we don't need God. We can make our own life. Well, here's what's kind of crazy. I'm going to share two things, then we'll close. But I need to bring this up because that usually comes up. You guys remember in the textbooks, those Miller-Urey experiments that supposedly created life in the laboratory? Lie. It's a lie. And yet they still put them in textbooks. Again, Lord willing, we'll get to that. Lie. They could lie. All they have is lies in the textbook to support their theory. And that's why one guy says, listen, I'm not even advocating get the Bible in there. I'm just saying get rid of all the lies. We can't do that. You know why? Because if they get rid of the lies in the textbooks, they have nothing to support their theory. They admit it. All right? Okay, so that's a lie. But even if they could, even the, the fact that they're trying is, is absolutely uh, insane. Listen, because what you think kept on. So if you imagine Miller and Yuri, whatever, these guys in these lab coats in the laboratory, if you can visualize that, right? And so here they are with the tubes and the bubbling stuff and the liquid, and they're trying to pour this in and whatever, and they're sitting there, and here's in essence what they're saying in front of God watching this. We're going to use our intelligence to prove that intelligence wasn't needed to create life. That's your big thought for today, Right? Do you see how ludicrous that is? You're going to use your intelligence to prove it didn't take intelligence. What? That's crazy. It's supposed to be random. It's supposed to be... So, what? Okay? Somebody better be eating the granola bar. And I'll close with this. Okay, cloning, even if the cloning doesn't mean that there is no God, you have no... Okay. Okay. Uh, that doesn't prove anything. Okay? And I think it's encapsulated in this joke and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll conclude that or close after this. Uh, there was a group of scientists that were all sitting around discussing which of them uh, was going to go to God and tell them that they didn't need him anymore, right? Well, finally, one of the scientists volunteered and uh, went to go tell God that he was no longer need him, don't need you. So the scientist said to God, says, God, you know, uh, a bunch of us been thinking and I've come to tell you that we really don't need you anymore. I mean, we've been coming up with these great theories and ideas and, and we've cloned sheep and we're on the verge of cloning humans. So as you can see, God, we don't even need you. And so God nods understandingly. He says, I see, I see. Well, he says, uh, uh, God says, uh, no hard feelings, but uh, before you go, let, let's have a contest. What do you think? And so the scientist says, yeah, sure, I'm all for it. What, what's, what kind of contest? And God says, how about, a, how about a man-making contest? Right? And so the scientist says, sure, no problem. So the scientist, he bends down, he picks up a handful of dirt, and he says, okay, I'm ready. And God says, no, 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 no. Go get your own dirt. Scientists are good, yes, at manipulating, modifying, even cloning pre-existing dirt. But you can't make dirt. 
out of nothing. God can. And that's exactly what the facts say. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder and you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. 
For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, They certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.